Hello everybody, welcome back for another episode of DTI YDK. Don't talk if you don't know, the podcast dedicated to the highest level of teamfight tactics in North America. I am Frodan, your host, joined by my co-host Bryce, sitting very far away from this can. Bryce, how you doing on this fine Thursday evening? Am I close enough? Uh, I'm good. I'm exhausted. It's a really busy week. Two of our lawyers are out of office this week, and we're not that big of a team, so Am I close <laughs> a enough? lot of extra uh, stuff to spread around in small group of people, but I'm hanging out with you. I'm hanging out with Ramkev, and we're going to talk about TFT. What a time to be alive. I'm excited. It's going to be great. Our special guest, fresh off a doubleheader, you know, Ramkev is... Oops, sorry about that. Ramkev is... Uh, coming straight up from his Triforce Tactics podcast, I admittedly, I was super tired today, so I took a nap and uh, slept through most of it. How was the podcast, Ram? Kev? Oh, it was, it was, it was good. We, uh, we talked about, you know, the tourney format. I, I had some things to say. I actually had a lot of things to say, but it was, uh, <laughs> it was a good time. It's a good time. Go check it out if you can. Yeah, Ram Kev, a solid participant in the Twitlonger meta. Is taking the TFT community by storm. He's climbing. Guys... He's climbing the, twi the, the Twitlonger meta. Yeah. Did you guys come <laughs> to any like new conclusions? Did you guys have any aha moments on the podcast? Aha moments? Um, not really. We were actually, I think afterwards, uh, Jirachi wasn't there for that episode, but they uh, were taking a look at you know the scoring system in in particular because you know I think one of the arguments that I saw against changing the scoring system was that it didn't matter for the most part like how it how it you know how it affects the results but like there are instances where it does matter and like you know from a worst case analysis standpoint like the argument for holding it just doesn't hold up maybe you don't specifically shift to like one through eight but it's it's a matter of like in the worst case scenario what happens when it goes wrong right and if it goes wrong, then you gotta have you sort of have to consider yeah. that and not just sort of brush it off as something that doesn't change things too much, but might still have an effect. All right, well, that's a little bit of a preview of the Triforce Tactics podcast. They're talking about the point structure, right? Giving points one to ten versus just doing a flat uh, one take. Go ahead and check it out. We don't want to encroach too much on their territory since. Uh, they're talking a lot about everything TFT and from a broad perspective, but this podcast, as you know, is dedicated to the hardcore of TFT, aka the players themselves and how they perform. So today's episode is going to be pretty much a lot of the same. We're going to be, uh, we're basically wrapping up the intro as we speak right now. Uh, just Let's go ahead and just do a 30 foot thousand view Ram Kev, just because we do these episodes once a month. How have you been enjoying 6.5 Neon Nice just from, you know, the 30,000-foot view? Uh, what's been some of the highs and, and some of the lows for you? Uh, I think it's been great. I've had a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I'm really trying to think of... I don't think there's been any point in 6.5 where I haven't really enjoyed the game. Uh, you know... Last patch had some really strong reroll reroll comps, but in the B patch now, so I can probably say the last patch. But like, I think there's a good amount of flexibility. I like the augments that they've added. Um, you know, I actually I, I was looking through some of the stats 
for for augments because I, I do that when I play the game and when I'm not playing the game because I just think it's fun. Uh, Me too. <laughs> and, I'm a nerd uh, about that stuff. <laughs> yeah, they had this one augment that they don't actually use. Uh, oh, interesting. It's, it's just like part of the data, but it never, it never. Yeah, it's dropped. It's not. It's not actually shipped. It's not a. It's it's this scrap related augment that lets you get reforgers and. Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. And it shows up in the stats. Yeah, I forget what it's called too because I just saw it. But like, it shows zero out of zero games played. But it, for some reason, it has like a four point four point five average placement with like a <laughs> what zero win rate. That's dope. I don't understand how they must have scraped yeah, some PVE or something like that. Basically, it was like yeah. it was basically giving you like a reforger every single round or something like that. Mm -hmm. And in PVE, I remember my my bench got so full of reforgers I couldn't even pick up anything. But I didn't want to reforge yeah. any items either, so it was like a really awkward uh, augment. That's funny. Yeah, that, that is what I mean. That sounds terrible, honestly. So <laughs> I'm not like no part of me is sad that I haven't gotten the opportunity to play with it, but. I mean, it must be it, being an augment. Them, right? Being an augment brainstorming sessions must be so fun, right? Like whatever, yeah, whatever you right, want. Right. What do you got? I yeah. I, there's always like these custom expansions that people make of other like card games and whatnot. I imagine that uh, if they continue to bring back augments, I'm sure there's going to be people who draft up their own like wild like custom augment stuff, uh, in which the mm -hmm. TFT team can draw some inspiration. Uh, but I'm allowed... hoping they bring back some of the trait related stuff from like older sets. You know, like if we could have something related to some summoning, dude. Uh, summoners is my favorite trait in the history of TFT. Every time I talk to Mordog, I'm like, so when are summoners coming back? Set two, set two, rise of the elements. So it's summon summoners basically all was like this vertical trait. It was a class that um, would always just summon some kind of minions. But part of the problem was that a lot of them you couldn't interact with. Like Zyra would summon these plants that would just deal damage, and there's no way for you to do anything, and she would always summon it right next to you. And uh, <laughs> Zero was the same way, too. It's just a lot of randomness that was uh, very hard to control and super buggy as well, I believe. I um, the Azir <laughs> the 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 defining set two gameplay is when Azir summons a soldier behind your carry. And yes, just two shots. In. It's literally the Azir versus Azir battle, and one of them summons this freaking soldier frontline that just like sits on a tank, and the other one just two taps the other person's Azir. Yep. Very yeah. very skill expressive. I loved it. I don't care. It was still fun. Yeah. <laughs> good times. Good times indeed. Uh, but, you know, we're not here necessarily just to talk about, you know, Memory Lane and Stroll Down It. Let's talk a little bit about the tournaments that have happened since. So let's go ahead and recap some of the stuff that's happened. So first things first, we'll talk a little bit about the current state of Snapshots. Um, then we're going to talk about the two tournaments that happened since then. Currently in Snapshots, there's two spots that will be going to players from 6.5 to qualify for regionals. Right now, it seems like Goose has ran away with it. Um, and then the next highest player is actually Ramkev, but uh, Ramkev we can move down from there. We, we can, can move down from cool. there. <laughs> uh, so you, you know, you kind of were saying like you were thinking about doing Challenger Series. That's not happening. So you're not you're no, not going to yeah, take the spot either. Nope. nope, that's going to the next person on waitlist. Okay, and who is that? Taking a look at it real quick. Uh, 
Bryce. Do you know? Actually, I was talking. I'm looking at it right now, trying to acknowledge uh, who is the next highest person. I think it's Kerm's Snapshot account. But yeah. like I was saying yesterday, Ed is not Kerm's account because Kerm X is no, also no, on the break. I think that's Jigglypuff King. Okay. okay, in which case, Jigglypuff King's not eligible, right? So it might be just trade. I've heard some speculation. Okay, so it's trade. It might just be trade. <clears throat> but one thing I want to point out is this list is already difficult to parse of who is eligible. Just it goes to show you that the consistency of some of these players already is there, right? Like we're, we have to go 10, 12 deep before we start finding other players that haven't already qualified, which I think is ultimately a good indicator. It doesn't tell you the entire health of everything, but I like that. Second thing that we want to pull up is the mid-set finale that happened in February with Kivix taking that win off of a very exciting finish. Uh, Kivix, if people didn't know, was re-rolling everything. He felt like he was Ramkev in his chaotic good form, which is uh, Kivix says, okay, I have four copies of this unit. Let's just see how far we can re-roll it. And Kivix ended up winning off of a mutant Heimerdinger that was just machine gunning. He had blue buff... Uh, synaptic web heimerdinger and was rapid firing everything and that was the first time he ever played that build it was in tournament is the finals he was trying to win the tournament and he stole it from dqa this is also the tournament by the way that dqa lost the rift herald uh yeah. in that fateful moment yes <laughs> kivix is if not the biggest certainly in my like top two or three biggest wild cards for regionals because plays a completely different style from the rest of the field and is able to pull out like crazy game after a crazy game and he is the player that like very almost no one ranked him right i think like one person ranked kivix on in their list of 15 um and yeah I, I just think he he's dangerous right like it depends a lot on the meta and what's viable and how contested it is i joked that the last patch would have been like kivix's time to shine and, and i think you made a good point oh, that no yeah. one, actually it actually he actually wouldn't have done well because all everybody the stuff would, he would yeah everyone would have been re-rolling what he wants is a meta where no one is re-rolling he can basically just pick whichever lane he gets to go into and be completely uncontested there it's a really good point um any i mean also uh we haven't really seen much of kivix to set like i don't even know how much yeah i haven't play. seen kivix in like any of my games yeah and that's absolutely like, zero you can only really make these kind of judgments when you've seen them like show up in your games because there there's some regulars that you you always see but like i was just thinking about it I was like why did i not include kivix on my list and it's legitimately because i have not seen kivix in my games in like many many months yeah, yeah. i mean he's not playing I, I looked up his yeah. profile when i was doing my rankings because i think i was like gonna give him a spicy like put him around 12th or 13th and see what happens ranking and i was like oh he's not playing <laughs> never mind take it all back all right and then, I, think have, I think he's like 500 lp or something when i looked we'll mm -hmm. see there's another player that's actually around that range like 500 lp is uh ramblin ramblin actually hasn't been playing that much i think that's mm -hmm. shaken up a little bit of people's confidence with him currently in the rankings which we'll show in a minute here or two uh, and then Setsuko wraps at the top four. Very, very solid top four overall. Um, and I thought mid-set finale was really good. Uh, let's go ahead and show the Innovation Cup that also was this past weekend that Bryce got to finally cast. And that was probably one of the highlights for me on top of the results themselves. Bryce, how did it feel to be casting TFT? God, I missed it so much. I had so much fun. And they were... I don't know if they were... If they just 
felt like better games because I hadn't gotten to do it in so long or if they actually were. But I, I on Sunday, games four and six, the Appy's NAR 3 board that he almost won a lobby with building like the most hodgepodge garbage board where we're we're looking at it, trying to analyze it, and we're like we have no idea what the fuck is happening here and then i went back and watched <laughs> this vod uh, afterwards because i was so curious about the path and the path is basically like low roll early low roll middle low roll late decide why not north three is an out play for it maybe i'll get a sixth and he keeps winning and like as it's going on further and further appies is just getting more and more hyped but has no idea why it's working he's like i don't want good but i'm amazing at tft i'm the greatest tft player of all time it's so good uh so that was super fun and then and then nico rolling 2-1 mercs and getting the win in that final lobby was so fun it was so hype that was really good stuff uh appy's has i think really impressed a lot of people um and I mean, it doesn't really come as a surprise much to players like ramkev i think who's been talking hanging out with him i also thought that uh Kev, you put. I know that you said that at the very end of the your tournament, you're kind of like mentally checked out. I thought you put on a pretty good performance as well. You know, just talking about your own tournament performance throughout that weekend. Do you feel? Do you walk away pretty satisfied? Yeah, I mean, like the way that I would say it is, you can look at the last day and see how much Twitch reroll I played, uh, and you can really tell. Like, there was a point where I just like, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to move on with this. I'll, I'll play Twitch reroll. Because it's like it's sort of the most brain dead. I just I just need to hit Twitch three and go on. But you know the other two game the other two days I was sort of just having fun. Um, yeah, I think it was during the it was first day where I basically dropped the tweet that said that I was going to write the tweet longer, and by that time I had already sort of made the decision that you know whatever happens this tournament doesn't really matter to me uh because i'm not gonna move forward with playing in tournaments after the, after this one at least for set six right so you know la last day i was actually you know between games i was just writing my twit longer and that was sort of I see, what, was, I see. what was going on there that makes um, so much sense i was so curious actually yeah uh, like this it explains a lot because you played beautiful tft days one and two and i think that it was pretty clear to me that you and goobums were playing the best tft in the tournament and i couldn't figure out why <laughs> if, if you had like a lobby read that suggested to you that you needed to that you like need, wanted to be rerolling twitch or if you just got like crazy openings for or what's going on right it's so hard to tell yeah um, I, I mean like the thing about twitch reroll is you because Twitch reroll is actually before Twitch was strong, right? Before anybody was playing Twitch reroll, I was already playing Twitch reroll. So I mean, besides maybe Casper, <laughs> um, but you know, like you know, yeah, like for for six. me, it's it's yeah, set six, right? Okay. Even set six going into set six point five, I was probably like, I was probably playing the most Twitch reroll by the end of set six, and so you know, I was. For for me, like it's a comp that I can just be like I'm comfortable with just going for a twitch three and then moving him around my board and trying to kill some units. Uh, but yeah, that's so that was sort of like my last day. The other two days I was just like messing around, having like trying trying to like a lot of the boards that I ended up with were kind of weird. I don't really even remember any of the boards that I played and set in the first two days 
I actually don't remember it. I'll okay, wait, wait. Mm, I had that one Yordle game. Uh, oh, that's right. You went six Yordles and yeah, yeah. Out. I went six Yordles. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had that one. I played a game with Share the Spotlight. I wish people had seen that game. It was actually the craziest. Basically, the, you know, because Share the Spotlight is very, um, it's prismatic, so it can, you know, in those lobbies, the power level is already really skewed. It was prismatic first augment, and I got, like, the probably one of the worst socialized spots you could ever get is the top right one. So you get four <laughs> Share the Spotlight, <laughs> and your entire, like, all that clump is just grief. It's all, it's yeah. all you can't do anything there. Um, and I played basically that game. I just had a TG on a three star NAR. Uh, and I put two star Senna with like a last whisper and like the, 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 the behind hex. And I got a second guy. I got a second that game. And it was, what? it was actually nuts. Oh it was actually God. insane. Um, but that was a really fun game. I actually am not too sure. Do, do either of you know, like, if share the spotlight? If you don't put it on the socialite hex and you put it somewhere else, does it actually get more of the buff? No, no. Someone confirmed that that's it. They okay, the okay. Yeah, because like afterwards, I read, I read the augment again, yeah. and I was like, wait, because I I had the nar in that one in the actual socialite hex. And then I looked at it again, and I was like, wait, did I, like, grief myself? Like, did I not get the full value out of this Gnar? Because it was, it was no synergy Gnar. It was just Gnar. It's just Socialite, just Socialite. <laughs> just Socialite Gnar. Did you play three Socialite? Yeah, I played three Socialite. So I had, um, if I remember correctly, the board was Gnar, Seraphine, Senna, with... Uh, TG Nar, like a Rage Blade, Seraphine, uh, Oriana, Zillion, and one of the other innovator units. Oh, it was Echo. It was Echo was the other one. And then I had the little bug right near the Socialite Hex so I wouldn't get completely destroyed. And I think that was the board, actually. There might have been a Lulu in there somewhere. I don't really remember. Lulu? <clears throat> what? Why? For yordles to print money, I don't know. Socialites are pretty expensive, <laughs> and um... or maybe there was, yeah. I just don't. There must have been like a scrap. It was probably Ezreal. Ah, uh, wait, because mm. I wait. Who are the innovators? Echo, Ezreal, Singe, Ezreal, Singe, Zillion, obviously, and then Jace. So I feel like it was Ezreal. Yeah, if you're playing Scrap, you probably played Ezreal, Echo, Seraphine. Yeah, yeah, it was. I think it was definitely Ezreal, just in the backline for the Innovator bug. Because uh, I don't think I don't think I rolled an Irelia. Unlock. Well, it sounds like well, a pretty wild game. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I'm sad we missed that. And also, just another thing that tournaments are missing, just the ability to catch these kind of moments, even if they're after the fact. Because uh, I think that would have been pretty hilarious to watch you struggle to find a way to make it work and then making it yeah, work. Yeah, I was... <laughs> I got to tell you how how sad I was when I saw that Share the Spotlight hex. I was like, oh my god. And that augment's so good, too, right? You think you yeah, like high roll like crazy... And you're like, oh, this is such a good opening. You, do you get a Senna with it? You do, right? You do get a Senna. You get God a Senna. Damn. I, I, had, I had Nardrop. I had Nardrop off of creep, so I was like, oh, I have to take this. This is actually going to be 
so good. And then I saw that hex and I was like, I I regret this immediately. <laughs> Dan, I'm actually good with it dropping the units. I think it I think yeah. it's better to have them drop the units and have them be feel slightly overtuned and feel higher yeah. rolled than it is to not give the units and just have the experience of taking the thing and playing the game without it online for such a long time. It just feels so bad. There are very few worse feelings than like junkyard without scrap. It's exactly the rascals, example I was gonna bring. Thieving, <laughs> yeah, thieving <laughs> rascals without yordles. Like it all feels so bad. Share the spotlight and then you're just like waiting for a three cost. It becomes I mean, like a yeah, uh, it feels so bad. But it cuts. But junkyard is like so okay. Good. Junkyard is one where I feel like it might be junkyard specifically, but that's only because and this might be something similar with the any type of yordle augment as well. Is just because there are so many one costs sure. in that trait that it's okay. But like if you're dealing with anything like snipers or like you know. Anything where you only have one of the one-cost units in there, I feel like you kind of... I mean, outside of mercs, obviously, because mercs is mercs, but... Um... Yeah, can you imagine if, like, merc gave a... <laughs> you get one GP! <laughs> oh my god! Everybody, it would be, like, the highest win rate augment. Yeah. Everybody would, like, take it insta. Right now, it's, oh, like, really yeah. low, actually. The data on, like, mm. merc heart, merc soul... Yeah, all I mean, it always is. It's oh, always, yeah, yeah it's, all, it's, always been, it's always been down at the bottom, but, like, the thing is, if you look at, like, the win rate compared yeah. to, like, the top four rate, the win rate is just... Yeah. way higher right because that's that's just the nature of it right like mm -hmm. you're gonna cash and i think that's good you don't really want to see the mercenary augments like be yeah. you know highest win rate but also a consistent top four because if that's the case it's it's obviously you know the trade itself is overtuned right um but yeah all right all right well I wasn't expecting you to talk a little bit about uh, too much about the game state itself, but that was some good stuff. Let's go ahead and kind of center back our discussion and focus on the rankings themselves. Talk a little bit about our first initial gut reaction. So here's the rankings fresh off the press. It's a little bit different from the ones we posted. We recognize that some of the number changes were not correct. So this is the correct version. Uh, and we're just going to go down the list. So Sasuko comes in at number one, kind of, uh, reclaiming his throne as he was very close to the top um, in, in number one of the first edition and then took a step back. Ramblin improves uh, to second. Milk, who was ranked number one in the second edition, now is third. Spicy Appy's making a massive jump to fourth. Uh, Spencer, just right there, consistent uh, in the middle of the pack. Goobum's moving up. Robin moving up. Socks. Having a big movement down, I think a lot of people were, you know, kind of not sure where to put socks. Uh, and what really interesting particular is that the, the, the big point gap starting to happen around here where most people just weren't really unanimously agreed beyond the top seven slash eight. Uh, we have Dish Soap leading the pack out of the, 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 the bottom half of the list, which was particularly interesting. Soju uh, comes in here at 10th. Iniko... DQA, Asa, Nubal, and Pawn Up. So right off the bat, Bryce, what's your gut instinct or reaction when you look at this list and uh, see what we got here? I think this is really good. I, I feel like there was a very clear tearing out, and I know we'll talk about some of the some of the gaps, but like I I, 
I think that this was directionally really correct, and I think that different people can disagree about how you should sequence the top seven, and I think different people can disagree about how you could sequence the bottom. And then you've got Socks on an island in the middle, which is just so clearly to me that everyone went through the exact same analysis, because I know I beat myself up over this a lot, which is, if Socks is in form, playing his best TFT, he is obviously one of the best three players in North America, because he's such a special player of the game. But, he has a kid... He has not been informed truly this entire set. This is not surprising to me. Also having a kid, before he had the kid, I was the one out there being like, anyone who expects Sox to be competing at this level, next set is kind of crazy. It's having a kid is way too disruptive to your sleep schedule, which is too disruptive to your life. It has a meaningful amount of anxiety. There's a whole bunch of things going on here that will not make you play your best teamfight tactics. And so I think that Sox is like in, in, on an island in the middle because no one knows where to put him. Like no one knows whether or not they're going to get like top three form Sox or maybe not even doesn't bo doesn't belong on the list Sox. And only time is going to tell. Yeah. Also, Sox is designing his own auto battler game as well for fun. Mm. And so there's just only so much time in the day. And I think you know Sox uh, sometimes you know performs like a god amongst men, but he's finding out how mortal he is at times. Uh, plus, if you heard him, he wasn't really that prepared for Innovation Cup, so he was sweating a little bit when other players were uh, making a deep run versus some of the people that he needed to. Uh, Ramcat, when you look at this list, does it seem right to you when, when we're looking ahead to regionals? E I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of it makes sense. Um, I'm actually surprised that I... Okay, I think um, Goose is not so like a big name that's not on the list who's still like active playing a lot um and he did sort of bomb uh bomb out day one of innovation cup if i remember correctly uh i do think you know from my perspective because i watch him a lot i do have a sort of good idea of why that happened actually um and i think he also has a good idea of why that happens is mostly because um if anybody remembers the patch going into this innovation cup tourney was actually a big nerf to innovators uh right and you know i watched a lot of goose games going into it just you know because that's the default channel that i put on um and he he was like that was sort of like his early game that was really like where he was getting a lot of strength from the board from um and you, you know you can sort of see from like the latter results right because he was climbing like climbing like a madman with that uh with that strategy and so like you know, when, when the patch comes around and when it gets nerfed, I can I, I see why it happened. But like overall yeah. from watching his play, uh, I think that I think that he's in form actually, and I think that he's capable of actually like doing pretty well. I wouldn't say like I probably wouldn't have him in the top ten, but in the like Actually, where did I put him? him? I did put him exactly put him 10. 10. I gave him, him exactly 10. 10. Yeah, so you would have him in the top 10. Yeah, I would have him in the top 10. Yeah, but uh, it's surprising. Um, I, I don't think it's surprising. Yeah. I'm it, it hurt. I barely put him on my list. He made 15th on my list. He's not on Dan's list, and I can't really like gripe with that. I would I would love to be wrong. I, I have loved mm -hmm. watching Goose play TFT longer than I've loved watching anyone play TFT. I think he's a special mm -hmm. player. I think he has enormous potential. He hasn't put up in a tournament in since set three. Right? Yeah, I, I guess set four, he also... Was it set five? I, I do remember he won, like, one tournament in those sets. 
is um, in it. Yeah, like in the big he might, he might have had like really one good tournament at some point, but it's yeah. not like it's not like he's like consistently doing well in tournaments, but like not getting like having oh, getting unlucky mm -hmm. or like not getting over the hump or whatever. He he's he's consistently pretty bad in tournaments, and I think it's very. I mean, I've watched a ton of his tournament play in order to better understand it. And I've talked about it in the podcast before. Like mm -hmm. he just plays like it's ladder, and it's not ladder. Mm -hmm. And so he just isn't able to streak for free in the way that he's used to being able to streaking for free. He doesn't know how to play lost streak or from behind. Mm -hmm. And he is he's way too conditioned to play tempo-oriented TFT without being punished on the back end of it. So there's no restraint to his play. He doesn't he doesn't not slam an item on wolves because he needs he has to recognize that like his board has to be able to scale and so he needs to keep an extra component open because he has to play around that component or yeah, build a board yeah. that scales. He just slams everything. And it's like it'll be fine. I'll just top four mm -hmm. and he just doesn't. He everyone gets strong and then he just loses every fight and he takes a seventh or a sixth, right? And and you know games that he would normally like kind of BS his way into a first, people are playing too efficiently around their power spikes and getting to different power levels. And a game that he would win win on ladder becomes a third or a fourth. And so I just don't think he's a good tournament player. I, and I want to be wrong. I I would mm -hmm. I would love to eat my words. Please, goose, make me eat my words. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I wanted to pull up uh, one of the more interesting balance. Uh, the only other person to rank Goose significantly high enough to get points was Robin Songs. Uh, so Robin and Ramcap were the only people that ranked Goose for significant points. But also look at Robin's middle of the pack. He ranked Soju higher than Ramblin. And I think <laughs> this in itself would, one, Soju would nod and or probably, actually Soju would probably even call it out himself and be like, what are you talking about? Actually, I changed my opinion. This in itself has made me question: What is Robin Song smoking? Is it I've, DJ Robin Song's coming out of the woodwork here? He's he's got he got he got secret he's got secret insight actually. Didn't he didn't he hit rank one last night or something? Yeah, for he like did, five seconds. And then Setsuko took it back. Exactly. <laughs> do not do not doubt rank one reasoning. Yeah, uh, this this whole list is old hot takes. He has Dish Soap at five, and Nico at six, Pawn up at seven, Soju at eight, Ramblin at nine. Spencer's really low. Milk is really low. I honestly, this to me, it it has to be an evaluation of his expectation in terms of how seriously they're going to be prepped for it. And I think that's a fair, I think that's fair analysis for a lot of these people. But anyone who expects Ramblin to show up to regionals at less than full form, I think just doesn't follow the follow Ramblin because he's the hardest working player in TFT. And there's no doubt in my mind that in two weeks, Ramblin can get fully up to speed and be a fucking god. And that's exactly what I expect him to do. So Robin clearly doesn't think that. Because I, I know Rob, Robin thinks Ramblin's one of the best, he's the best player in North America when he's in form. Yeah, that's totally fair. Again, the prompt was, you know, them predicting based off the regionals form and what they'll be like, right? So alternatively, Natures, who is, for people who don't know, Natures, former competitive TFT player, now works as the project manager of TFT over at Wisdom, aka Giant Slayer TV, the, the organizer for most, pretty much everything North American TFT sports. Uh, Natures puts Ramblin number one, right? Milk number two. He's going by traditional thought of where he expects people to be. And then you see that he does value people like, you know, Spencer and Robin just a little bit lower. Also, shout out to Newbowl. I think uh, Newbowl making... It's actually the first time we've ever had Newbowl on this power ranking, which I think is quite shocking to a lot of people who followed TFT for the past few sets. But this is also the most serious Newbowl has been about TFT in quite some time. He's actually climbing a lot. And I was talking about this yesterday on the Teamfight Talk Show podcast. 
This is the first time in a long time where I am fearing New Bow on ladder. In set six, the dude was so free because he was playing on mobile. <laughs> he did, he, apparently, his GPU fried and he just couldn't like get it all up in time and he was going to school. So he was playing on mobile and he was just so easy to predict with his side swaps with like Yone, for example. It was just too easy. Now I'm like, I just do not want New Bow in my games. It feels like no matter what, he will always outplace me, uh, even if I'm like third or second. So. Uh, I'm really oh, excited to see yeah. New Bell. Yeah. I, uh, so I have this thing where I am not allowed to put New Bell anywhere close to my uh, top 15. Uh, really? He's on the shit list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rim on the Rim shit has a shit I, list. He has been in my game and sold an Udyr 3 while I was there and watching him. <laughs> so he is permanently outside of any top 1,000 until the until rest of what? forever. You can't take it back. You yeah. actually can't take that kind of stuff back. So I see, you I know, see. unfortunately, I, I I'm just no, I I can't I can't stick him any higher than one thousand and one. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's a respect. You have everyone has their criteria. We talked about Kivix earlier as a wild card at regionals. New Battle is like the wild card of all wild cards because in set five, set four, when you talk about the up and coming players. It, you know, the way everyone talks about Setsuko right now, that's how everyone talked about New Bell, where you watched, if you watched him play, you knew the kid had it, you knew it was special. It was a standard deviation above what many of the best players were capable of when he was playing at form. And he just never clicked for him in tournaments. I watched some of his tournament games. It was never, it never felt like he was playing like the, his, his perfect style. There must've been some nerves going on there. But I also think he did like be on the, was on the lower end of variance or some of those events. So I'm not... I'm not saying I think that he's a, an outstanding tournament player and that I, he belongs in the top three when in form, but, I mean, he's 14th on the list, and his skill ceiling is every bit as high as the top three. Yeah, Nubal gets some respect from some of the other panelists. Gangly put him, you know, around there, the 10th or 11th range. Setsuko also doing the same thing. By the way, this is the first time, and this is kind yeah. of, we didn't really make big fanfare about it because we don't want to make a big deal, but this is the first time Setsuko has ever revealed his face to the internet even before his own friends dqa who you know shout out to him he, he's been killing it past couple tournaments uh, and also qualified for regionals also a guest panelist for this time around dqa spencer and all of them were like wtf we've been trying to ask setsuko to reveal his face to us for like years and he hasn't even done that and yet the first time you asked him to be on the podcast setsuko reveals his cutie pie face to all of us so thank you setsuko what a, what a nice gift to dti ydk and I think he feels rewarded, you know, getting number one ranked. But once more, we have players who don't even rank themselves as number one. I feel like this is kind of the eternal thing about TFT players. Milk didn't put himself number one when he was ranked one. So Suko's not going to do that. If we ever get rambling on the podcast, which I hope we do, I bet he won't put himself number one either. So Bryce, what is it about these players? Is that is that a common thread or is that just coincidence? I think it depends a lot on the the style of player. Like, if Soju was the best player in North America, I promise you he puts himself number one. <laughs> it just depends on who it is. Like, Milk is the guy who always is like, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad, but he's actually really good, right? When, once, he, once he actually figures out. Like, he's not that good right now because he's just busy learning. He's just going to play a bunch of games and learn, and then he'll really sweat next week off stream, and you'll DM him the day before regionals, and he'll say he's going 888, but in fact, he's like definitely one of the favorites for the event, because when he's in form, he's insane. And I think that certain people have a little bit more of like the 
humbleness to to the way in which they think about their their TFT. I think Setsuko falls on that list. Ramblin probably falls on that list. I mean, you asked Appies after he won the tournament, like, where do you rank yourself? And he wouldn't even do it. He wouldn't even put a number to it. Um, so I think it's just a personality thing okay. more than anything else. Fair enough, fair enough. I want to also make another call out here. Uh, Gangly has put Solus at number two. And I know, Gangly, you had your second kid, and having one is hard enough. Ask Bryson Socks. And I know that having, you know, raising a family in this modern age is really, really difficult. But Solus at number two. Solus didn't even make the list. Just want to point that out. And yet he gained so many points. Wait, I put, I put Solus as my number 15 so that he would know that I had him on my list, but he was the last possible option. <laughs> Solus yeah. comes in at the so we, we actually re, have a snub list we can actually pull it up in just a second here but Solus was one of the highest placing players that didn't make the list price what's your breakdown on Solus right now I mean only because of Gangly right like if he if Gangly didn't give him 14 points Solus would not be anywhere close to like the top snub right <laughs> I I'm pretty sure Gangly just has a blind spot on Solus we all have this I mean my blind spot is literally on the podcast with us right now I literally can't I the, Ramkev basically had to force me to take him off my list. He like releases this twit longer and is like, "I'm don't rank me." Basically, he literally said, "Don't rank me. Don't put me on your list." And I was like, "I can't help it because for me, Ramkev like these clear tier systems, right? The top seven. Ramkev is in the top seven tier, right? He's one of the best players in North America, competitive at that level, and I think you can quibble over where he belongs in that in that top seven, top eight. But there's just decisively there, and I and I just soulless." For whatever reason, Gangly loves Solus. It's because the, the tournament data on Solus is so good. That's why. Gangly's a data head, and he loves looking at all the past results, and Solus consistently performs in tournaments. And in fairness to Gangly, we talked about this, Dan. Like, Solus showed up at Inno Cup with no prep. What, he played the day before. I'm watching him play, and I'm like, this man has no idea what's happening. He has yeah. no clue. He and he was, no competitive. Clue. he was competitive. Well, he was he was solid. Oh, yeah, he, he outplayed Soju. Let's not forget. Yeah, he did. Outplayed Soju at Innovator Cup, and that yeah. that's actually. Uh, I mean, if that's not an argument for why Solus should be higher than 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 so than Soju on this list, then no other argument. Exists. Okay, here here's my here's my thing on Solus. I feel like I didn't really answer Dan's question, which is how I feel about him. <laughs> I think the results are good. I'm not sure that he passes the eye test. There are games when I watch Solus like eke out a really good a really good result from a game where he takes an unusual line, and I'm super impressed with it. I'm like, wow, what a what a beautiful game of TFT. I really enjoyed watching that. But the number of times I study Solus FODs, and I'm like, that's a big mistake. That's a big mistake. That's an egregious mistake. I don't even know how that just happened. Um, and that like way like higher than anyone else on the list. He is so inconsistent in his play. There are, there are times that Solus makes plays that if you put a group of, if you put the top 15 in a room and you show them the spot and you show them what Solus did, they would all just be like, they would be rolling their eyes. They would just be, <laughs> they would be flabbergasted at the choice that he made in the game. And it's just very weird to have such a good player who's also capable of making plays that bad in a game of TFT. Wow. Is one, does one particular instance stand out to you, Bryce? Because you're saying he's making some egregious mistakes. Get, get, hit me with an example. You got to back it up. Okay. There, we talked about it on the last podcast, I think. But when I was studying, because we haven't played re recently, so it's not like I'm studying recent soulless gameplay, right? But the tournament immediately before the last podcast, Solus was in a spot 
where he pre-leveled. I'm trying. I, I want to go back and find the spot, honestly, and just like show it to you. Like, I have to go back way deep into his vods to find it. But he like pre-levels on one four in one. It's one of the worst decisions I've ever seen. Like, the, my I looked at this. I looked at the spot. Goobums. So Goobums. I did a vod review. We talked about the spot a bunch. I went back and looked at the spot like five or six times because I was so I was trying to figure it out. Right, why is he doing this? And honestly, my conclusion was that there's no explanation that is actually defensible for the spot, and I'm pretty sure he turned his game his from- His finger a, slipped. His finger slipped. His spot was <laughs> was a solid top four opening that he turned into a guaranteed bot, bot three. Not exaggerating. Like, his one decision reduces really? his average placement by two places. It was that bad. It's one of the worst plays I've ever seen in a tournament of TFT. And I'm including everyone. I'm, I'm including Zaiku in that. Woof. Let's not get started, Bryce. Let's not, let's, on oh, let's, not, let's not forget about that one game <laughs> in regionals that I played where I accidentally reforged all of my Olaf items. Because <laughs> I couldn't tell the difference between a reforger and a loaded dice. Wow, that's Oof. pretty good. Wait, but then you end up winning. You end up qualifying what did for you Worlds, get? right? I got, I, I got so lucky. I got the <laughs> items, and I actually got, like, pretty decent items afterwards. I was like, wait. I all three of those items, and the moment I saw the items pop off, I was like... <gasps> Yeah, we take those. But the thing is, like, okay, stuff like that, like a misclick or like Kyun taking out Mercs, I don't rate that in the same way because yeah, it's, that's, it's that's just like a, it's a, it's a, mis <laughs> it's a mistake of like the moment of it's like a basketball player like tripping and not and not making a layup. It's like yeah. okay, but it's it's that's very different than like if if you're driving down court, you're down by one point, there's no time left on the clock, it's a wide open layup, and you pull up from half court, right? Like that's what so that's what Solis did. He pulled up from half court. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. And so it, it's you're saying that not all the mistakes are equal. Yes, there, there's some catastrophic moments. Like with DQA, he was actually trying to do something pretty smart, but he messed yeah. up against the the Rift Herald. And I, that's understandable. Could not could not evaluate how strong his board was against Rift Herald. Happens yeah. to the worst of us. I mean, the best <laughs> yeah. This was different. This was like a a game stra strategy decision that he made that was completely incorrect. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Is there any other players or things that we want to mention? I mean, I, may, I feel like we have to just do our, our due diligence and give shout-outs to some of the new people on the list. I think Iniko killed that Innovation Cup. He was yep. super impressive. Bryce had a very touching speech at the end, just kind of highlighting what he valued in Iniko. Definitely a player, you know, as long as his mental is intact, and I think you can say the same for a lot of these players, very mm -hmm. scary when he's on fire. What is it about Dish Soap that's getting people so hyped up? I want to go to Ramcap for this, because you play a lot of ladder. Ramcap's put some of the highest volumes of games out there in solo queue. You've probably queued up against Dish Soap, who has two accounts, who's climbing really yeah, rapidly. Yeah, I mean, did, I, I, where, where did I put Dish Soap on my list? I need it. Let me, let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. I think he's kind of high, if memory serves. Like, he was, like, right in the middle of the pack. But Ramcap's asking where did he put him? Uh, oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that I think that's where Ramcap yeah. put him is what I'm saying. I remember looking. I, I'm 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 trying because like you put him 14. Oh okay. Maybe yeah, I don't have I don't have dish soap up that high. So the way that I like to evaluate players is like just based off of how I can see them in the lobby, and like. You know, obviously, Dish Soap has, like, two very high ELO accounts, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. He has Dish Soap and Dish Soap 2. So, you know, in terms of, like, ladder performance, is quite nice. I don't have him up that high because I just don't really feel the pressure coming out of Dish Soap as I would, like, certain other players at, at points in the game. Uh, which is, like, 
kind of it doesn't really sound like that great of a justification because like it's not anything really <clears throat> concrete but you know it's it's more so like uh you don't have the fear you don't have the fear yeah yet. how 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 scared do you have to be when you load into a lobby with a specific player right okay okay and it's it's the, it's like the the amount that you can streak for the amount that you can damage players for the amount that sort of you hit your strong point in the game how much do you have to be afraid of that player uh and i don't know it, it might it's probably it might just be because i'm not paying enough attention and maybe because dish soap has two accounts so that I can't tell the difference. I, I, you know, dish soap, dish soap, and dish soap two might re register as different, completely different accounts in my in my subconscious yeah, Dish mind. soap, dish soap sucks, but dish soap, dish, dish soap, soap two, two is if that dish soap player gets on the sequel. Oh, you guys are in trouble. But yeah, yeah um, yeah, that that's just part of that. It um, it, it does sound like sort of like an arbitrary reasoning, but uh, you know, like for example, I'll, I'll give a good example of it. It's like you know, you see. You see Robin, like, right now show up in your lobby, right? Like, if he's playing on point, you're kind of like, oh, no. And then you see, like, oh, all all through stage two and stage three, oh, he's full streaking. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, oh God. Uh, please, please let me be strong in the late game. Oh, oh no. You know, when, when that stuff happens, like, you have, you, that that's when it, this, it sort of registers in, like, my mind that this is a right. player that I have to sort of, like, you know, think about and sort of be afraid of, you know? And yes, I, it, yes. I think it just, it might not just, it might just not have happened enough with Dish Soap to the point where, like, I feel that yet. Um, obviously, you know, I could be missing things. It's, it's sort of like a very arbitrary way of looking at it, but. No, I like it. I like it. The visualization that I would use is what. They, they, it's like spirit pressure in anime, if that makes sense. It's just, oh, yeah, like, yeah. Like, if you've watched Bleach, you know? Like... Yeah, you just get it. You're just <laughs> like, <laughs> there's like a gravitas to the way the player <laughs> imposes themselves in the lobby. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's something... That you, you, gotta, you gotta be there to really, really feel it out, you know? Yes, yes, that's right. And, and hence the name of the podcast. If you don't know what we're talking about, <laughs> then you really just don't know. And you just have to put yourself in situations and i think a lot of players you know who are like you know even in that low challenger lobby they, they, they talk about it all the time i see on the forums it's just like when i get into a good lobby of challenger players versus just like the people who happen to stumble into challenger because they just kept beating people in gm it's completely different the environment the pressure this it just feels like you're in a complete like you're just lost a lot of times and i think that's mm -hmm. kind of what ram kept pointing at it's like he doesn't get that intimidation factor from dish soap quite yet but maybe Maybe his mind has been separating disappointment. And this is why I'll never understand that there is still a large camp of people that think ladder equals tournaments. Like, like what the like? How can that be your opinion if you also think if you also feel different pressure in a lobby where you get with a whole bunch of the top twenty players versus when you're in just a random ladder lobby with challenger players? And they all everyone says exactly what Dan just said. They all feel different pressure when there's that many good players because people don't make mistakes in the same way. Right, mm -hmm. if you're low rolling early, but you're one of the best, then you know how to get strong in stage three. But a, a lower tier challenger player doesn't necessarily do that. Will make a mistake of thinking that they're fine when they're not. So the pressure is just so much more consistent throughout. 
So I just thought, yeah, I just, uh, no matter how many times I hear the arguments on that side of the fence, I'm just completely unpersuaded. And I feel like, like there's a ton of data that they rely, that things that they do believe that completely contradict their worldview as it relates to the relevancy of tournaments versus ladder. Yeah, I mean, like the you can you can sort of tell from the the field in tournaments, right? Um, you know, in ladder, I'll, I'll say this: the moment that you see somebody take tiny titans as your first as their first augment, <laughs> thumbs games, down. It's all gone, yeah, it's all gone crap, right? But like before, <laughs> like until then, you know, you you'll see that like all the time, all the time on on ladder, right? People will take tiny titans, and I'll I'll just be like, okay. This guy has just given me a free placement because <laughs> there is no way you should ever take Tiny Titans first augment. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, I, I can say all I want about, like, the tourney formats, etc. But, like, it's about the level of players, right? Mm-hmm. And when the level when the level of players are, like, that, that at that level, um, it, it sort of changes the dynamic a lot right like you know things like valuing win streak versus lose streak actually changes and i've been thinking about this a lot and this is sort of why i think that like for example milk is such a good player um is because you know in tourney if if you're sort of reliant on that sort of win streak play style um and this is this is partially why like I think Goose is not as great in tourney, right? It's sort of like when you're reliant on that strategy and that strategy alone, uh, it's not always gonna work out for you, right? Because you know there's no way that you're gonna be able to navigate the uh, the early game in such a way where you're win streaking every game. Uh, it's just not sort of it's not really possible if everybody's trying to do that same thing right uh and when that's when that happens it really it really like doing things like greeting doing things like uh you know even even things like op- like full open forwarding right uh, you know, if somebody sees you full open porting, I'm sure that there are like a lot of high caliber players that'll just be like, and th- this happens, right? This happens in tournament. They'll open fort just to screw with your open fort. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, they should. Like, they should be. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and ch- like, it happens in China and Korea all the time. Yeah. They like full on sell everything every time. They're like, yeah, oh, they're, they're trying, racing to the bottom. Speed. Their race to the bottom in board strength sometimes is wild to watch. Yeah. They're like putting boards that seem like they're okay and they're last minute selling certain units and not other units and you don't yes. know exactly how weak they're going to be until right before the round. It's it's a joy mm-hmm. to watch. Yeah. I've seen them like have a three, have a two star and they in their shop, they two star, put on the board like, okay, now I'm going to start streaking or whatever, sell that two star unit and then just continue yeah. to streak. Like, this is not stuff that will happen on ladder, right? Like, in, in set four worlds, legitimately, I had that one fortune game, right? And the, the one of the Korean players, I'm pretty sure it was SCSC, just, like, sold board and went eight. But they sold board and they sent me bot four as well. <laughs> uh, and, like, people are not going to do that on ladder. And, and here's the thing, like, if ladder was just you queue and you play with the top 30 ladder players every single game it would be a completely different story right 
Of course. It would be like such a different story, but that's not the case. And, you know, more often than not, it's going to be like two to three top 20 players, right? And everybody else is there. And, you know, like I had this, I had this one game where I was playing with my friend who's also in Challenger. And, you know, I was just like, there are three Ash players in this lobby, including myself. I'm going to stick to playing Ash and I'm going to go first this game because I'm pretty sure I don't have to be scared at all. And I stuck to playing Ash and I went first. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's, I, I played like Ash 2. You know, all the Ash players top board, by the way. You know, <laughs> that unit was broken. Yeah. <laughs> Ash 2 was way too strong. I, I, I want to read Ramcap's tweet from March 2nd. PSA, colon, if I am contesting you in the lobby, I will not pivot. I do not care how much you play the comp or how many Reddit guides you have read. I will play it better than you. You will go 8th, and I will go 7th. You have been warned. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we want to talk about Nico outplacing me in the final lobby of that day. That's uh, right, that's right. I'm pretty sure it's, <laughs> right, because, right. He sure it's because he high rolled double trouble. It has nothing to do with you know the other stuff. But uh, <laughs> and all jokes. He was a high roller. Right? You saw you saw yeah, him take you, you saw him take the the threes company and then hit the uh, hit the MF right. Respect. Uh, okay, I feel we should talk about Asa and Pawn up quickly because we because yes. they're both into the list. Okay. Okay uh asa yeah. my read on asa right now is i think he's a little lost relative to where he was in set six uh at the end of set six asa felt like he had a really good beat but specifically on the ap tree in a pretty profound way i think that he had actually a significant edge the only person that i felt even more confident in was ramblin in the ap tree um except asa was even more dedicated to it because he had like all these mutant outs that i wasn't really considering mm -hmm. um this set, I just don't get that same vibe. I feel like Asa does have a, a good, like, very respectable amount of ability, but it just doesn't feel like he has the same, uh, like, hubris about it, or the same kind of uh, intimidation factor. Uh, what's your read on Asa right now, Ramkev? Yeah, I mean, I think Asa's still a strong player, but yeah, I think, um, I mean, didn't Asa self-proclaim in set 6 that he's like a mutant one-trick, right? Um... And that's the thing with being like a comp specialist, I would say, is that it's very it's not very robust to, you know, how 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 a set changes over time. Um because your comp could be good one day, but the moment that Mortog notices it, the moment that it gets on his radar and he's like, Oh, this is this is this is performing too well. We gotta we gotta we gotta do a little little bit of something something right. And the moment that happens, you're you're done you're for done. right. Like, yeah. You need yeah. you need no. to be in the sweet spot right. You need to be not weak because if it's weak, what are we doing here? But not so strong that it gets nerfed or that it's super contested. Either one of those is like really mm. problematic. Right. Um, <clears throat> Ace's Ace's performance in tournaments got worse as more people started playing innovators last set. He was a he was an AP yeah. he was an AP you know leaning player but really strongly leaning towards the innovator tree. He was the best innovator player on the ladder by a fairly mm -hmm. wide margin. He had figured out nuances yeah. to the tree that no one else had. I I I, I don't think Asa belongs in the top fifteen right now, but I am I am very clear on the fact that if he keeps playing for real, then Asa will not only be deserve to be on this list, but he will very likely break in the top 10. He has the right work ethic for it. He has the right mentality and approach. His 
his uh, self-identification of his weaknesses is so good, which is a, a skill that very few people on this list have, by the way. But he, I was watching his stream earlier today, and he was just talking about he gets a, he's in, on an opening. It's like two five, and he's like, "It's a striker game." And then he's like, "Man, I keep playing strikers. I do this thing where I like." start playing a comp and then I see everything through the lens of that comp. And so I go to that comp in situations where I probably shouldn't. And I agree. I think that's, I think he's too narrow, but he's just at a different stage of his journey. I mean, you know, Goobums is on the, is, you know, sixth on the list and seriously consider is in the conversation for one of the best players in North America right now for the first time. And he went through a journey of being a one trick too, where he was like the best Ari player, the best talent player, the best keepers player. And he showed his potential in his mastery of those trees and now he's putting it together in a more flexible style, and he's and he's absolutely belongs in this conversation as one of the best players. And I think Ace is just on an earlier stage of that journey, and we he happened to pop off very consistently in tournaments because the conditions were aligning for him. It was a comp that people weren't playing that much of. He was really good at it. It was strong in the meta, and so people overrate Ace's current skill level because of his tournament results. Whew. Okay, all right. Uh, we don't have that much more time to talk about Pawn Up. I still also am gathering my intel on Pawn Up, so I kind of want to go to you, Bryce. You studied probably the most Pawn Up out of all three of us. Uh, what's your thoughts on Pawn Up? I think he's solid. Uh, I watched all of his games of day one of Inno Cup and half of his games of day two, and then day three I did not go back and study VODs, but I, we casted half the lobbies and watched the other, so I feel like I had a good sense. I think that he, he had a good... Um, I really, I really like the fact that he made adjustments going. He was a four cost flexible reroller. He day one of the tournament he played mostly three cost reroll, um, and I really liked that adjustment. And then he actually adjusted further as the tournament went on. As more and more people started leaning towards reroll, he actually went back more towards his traditional style. So I love that he shows the flexibility, the range of being able to play across both those things. I think that's a hallmark of a great TFT player. I will say that there was nothing particularly inspirational in my study of Pawn Up. He wasn't doing anything where I was like, wow, that's wild, or like really impressive, or great recognition, or super cool nuanced positioning decision. So I, it's it's hard, it's it's not that much data for me to collect, right? It's just nine games, mm -hmm. but um, I, I think that he belongs on this list, right? He was he was actually, you know, he, I put him 13th. I think he's like right around that range. If he high rolls, he's absolutely capable of making the final day or even making worlds if he high rolls because I think he's solid enough player to be able to make use of what the game is giving him, but he's not a serious threat right now in my eyes to be breaking into like the upper echelon of players. Okay, okay Ramkev, do you agree with that assessment? I think I don't know enough about Pana. <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I think that, that that was basically my sentiment as well. But at the same time, we have some players on this list that also do something similar to that. Like, I, I think of Robin as being, like, the mastered form of that. Yeah. You know, Robin doesn't do... He doesn't really inspire me too often with his play, but I also see him making very grounded, solid decisions. Um, and I don't really see Robin making that many big mistakes. Uh, and I think that in itself can be a strength the lack of a weakness, right? Um, and not necessarily having an outstanding advantage over others. But we'll see. Time will tell. Maybe Pawn Up drops off. Maybe he ends up being the world champion. Uh, good luck to him in regionals. But that does it. I want to say that was the best rankings discussions we've had yet. Very clean and cut. A little bit less meme. Maybe because Milk was insistent on uh, being Milk last episode. But that was this very a guess, It's a guest diff. It's Frodo. a guest gap. <laughs> Let's go to stage four, our, our fourth segment, which is reportable. It's basically the last big part of the show where we're going to ask our guests to grade three players of their choice based off the skill set 
that uh, we sent them in a report card. This is Bryce's segment, so Bryce, go ahead and take it away. Okay, I'm really excited because, one, I love talking about TFT with Ram Kevin. Two, our first two guests were people who refused to read the report, fill out the report card in advance, read the report card. We're arguing about whether or not something belongs on the report card in real time. So this will be the first time we get to do this segment, like oh, yeah. a deep oh, an- yeah. analysis version of it. Um, so we're going to do the report cards for Ram Kev's going to do himself. He's going to do spicy appies. He's going to do goose. So okay. Ram Kev, the way that we've done this historically is we go category by category, and then you rate each of them in the category. Uh, all of these are, well, almost all of these are one out of tens. The exceptions are two of the ones at the very top. So play style is a description, right? So it's just like capture their play style, you know, describe it simply as you can. Uh, preparation is one out of 10 and then flexibility we do on a scale of one to 20. The idea being the least flexible player is a 20 because they're 20 out of 20 X. Right. Okay. Um, so like, oh, ace, no, no, it, like doesn't it doesn't count. It doesn't count to their points. Uh, yeah, it doesn't count towards their points. The opening, the opening salvo, the style is more like a conversational thing, and then we'll actually be reporting. Okay. Okay. Oh, that because I actually went to check to see like how that flexibility. I thought twenty out of twenty was like fully flexible. Yeah, it's fine. You no, can just no, go no, the other no, way. It's, also, it's, milk it's like twenty different yeah. games played of twenty different cards. <laughs> Before we get into this, can we just reflect on the fact that milk is saying not one out of fifteen? They changed it to one out of ten. Milk, you changed it to one out of fifteen on the fly yes, last time, bro. You asked us. You to change changed it. the criteria. Last time we did one to ten. Because it was supposed to be a sliding scale of power indication, and oh, we did I, 1 to I 15. Should not, I should not have point. looked at that body. Oh, no, you didn't <laughs> It's all right. I'm good at math. I can Yeah, I it's can fine. It's okay, fine. Okay, okay, okay. Round. You'll be fine. Okay, so play style. How would you describe your own play style? Okay, this was hardest for me because, like, I, I have no idea. I, I just do whatever. So, I you know, I would actually, you know, as many as much as people say flex, I would put myself down as like actually what I consider to be flexible, um, because I think that flex, like flex, is a buzzword that people use to describe a play style that I think is actually really rigid, and it's not actually flex, because you know a lot of people will say, okay, flex is. You play strong items, you put the strong items on your early game units, and then you go to level 8, and then you put your your items on a 4-cost unit, and you play your 4-cost frontline, and your 5-cost frontline, and your 5-cost utility. Boom! Flex. I do the same game every game, every, same thing every game, I'm flexible, right? Um, and that's not the way that I see it. I try to do... Every single unit, every single comp, every single play style. Uh, I am so happy right now. <laughs> this so is exactly happy. what Bryce wants to hear. This is exactly what how I want to talk about this, this stuff. This and you're some, completely, yeah. yeah, and you're completely right. You are. You're one of the only true flex players because true flex doesn't just mean trying to play a fluid board state throughout the game. It also includes stylistic flexibility, and you are very happy rolling 
you know, re-rolling one cost. You're, you, sometimes you hyper-roll them. Sometimes you slow-roll them. Sometimes you roll super deep in stage three. Sometimes you roll super deep in stage four. Sometimes you roll a little bit and evaluate and roll more two turns later. You're playing around every possible carry. You're holding items sometimes when you think it's correct. You're slamming some items sometimes when you think it's correct. It's a more, I call you just like full open. I like actual flex as the description. And there are very few players that actually do that. So, yes. Yeah. Okay, so you like actually flex. All right, I like it. Actual yeah. flex. Actual fucking great. Flex. All right. Well, that was good. Good start. Uh, and then I think for Appies, I think Appies is actually, I I think out of like a lot of the lighter players, Appies is quite close in terms of like similarity to how I play. I think that Appies is strong with like every cop usually. Um, there are certain. He, he tends to have a more early game focus. We can get into that later, but I I don't exactly know what the words for that is, but he also sort of likes certain certain comps. He sort of lean towards certain things. Like, you know, for example, last set, he was really... You, you know, he could play anything, but I do think he sort of... Uh, preferences, I would say. Viri role, of yeah, course. Yeah, that was what um, he loved the most. I think he really liked playing Arcanist, yeah. right? Yeah. He's a mute. He's an outstanding mutants player. Yeah, yeah, and so that's sort of like how it, how I would say it is like, you know, if you have your sort of flex, but you 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 aim to really like go specialist things that you like. So he's like a specialist yeah. flex. I like that yeah. flex specialist. Yeah, he start. You start with every out in the game. He doesn't quite start with every out in the game. Although some games he does, right? Some games yeah. he he happens upon like he, he like the Nar game. I'm pretty sure because I watched this game twice now. I'm pretty sure what's happening is he's like going through like what are all of the outs that you can play yeah. from my board state with the items that I've slammed. And he was like, "Fuck it, I came up with nothing. Nar it is, right? Like it makes sense in my head, right? It works. I have a blue buff. Nar uses blue buff well. I have a BT uses BT well." It's the unit that I have on my board. Let's just fucking roll with it and see what happens, basically. And it worked. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then Goose is interesting. Um, I think he's sort of like the epitome of like a just how should I say it? It's like a how could strong board, basically. Um not not in the sense it's really more of an early focus it, that's i feel like that's sort of what what players might have when they they sort of have this idea of flex right because he he's really the embodiment of that it's really like you slam items right and you don't really worry about like what those items are going to end up being really but like you slam strong items you have a strong early board uh it doesn't really matter what sort of like how those items end up interacting a lot of the times um but you know they're good items and that's how how, how i was sort of and like you play you play strong units and this is sort of how it ends up going it's very like you know i think his comfort zone is when he's like in the top two in the lobby in health like the entire time right um, yes <clears throat> i wrote best board i think that summarizes it <laughs> okay Preparations. Oh, sorry, Bryce. This is your. No, you're. No, yeah, you're. You'll always be the better host. So I uh, never. Uh, this is this your thing? This is your thing. Go ahead. Okay. So preparation. One out of ten. Uh prep. 
This is turning prep specific. Or, or it could be a description of a word. How do you prepare for events? Yeah, oh, yeah, that, yeah. Oh, that's right. You did that. That's right. That's right. You did, yeah, like describe. Like he right. was like lol chess or something. Uh-huh. I mean, so my turning prep is somewhat interesting because I like to do a whole bunch of things. I like to like look up people's lol chess. I like to think about what comps I can play. Uh, a lot of it is just sort of mentality prep and saying like focusing on yeah i don't i don't really know it's it just just a bunch of ladder games you can just say just a bunch of games <laughs> i think a lot of people do that for what it's worth play a bunch of ladder games but you mm -hmm. actually ladder to learn right like you actually yeah. are like okay I need, I need to you like file away the information in your head you try to do a million different things you're like that works that doesn't you get a you know be in your bond about a certain carry and you try to play that carry as many times as you can and pay close attention to what's working and why it's working there are a ton of people who just play games and like they figure it out or they don't. They learn something off of the game somewhat, in, you know, intuitively. But they're not – it's not, like, an intentional style of learning. Because they're still trying to, like, win and climb LP, whereas you don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you couldn't care less about your LP. Yeah. And then Abby's – I mean, Abby's has said this multiple times, right? Abby's likes to do VOD reviews. Um, uh, so, like, looking over other people's VODs, seeing what, what he can get out of that, right? Uh, and Go Goose is difficult – Mostly because I haven't really talked to him about this at all. Uh, I assume, like, one thing I do know is that he does like to look at stats a lot. So Goose is probably the, I, I would, I, maybe founding father of <laughs> looking at, you know, item stats, unit stats. Um, and I guess now, now we have augment stats as well, right? Um, but other than that, like, I assume, like, playing games is, but... Uh, you know anything behind the scenes? I have no no idea of what's going on there. Okay. <laughs> Dan described Goose as a data head. Yeah, I like to. I, we can just put him as nerge. <laughs> Perfect. Nerge. Okay, flexibility twenty being least flexible, one being most flexible. Okay. Uh, I would actually. Okay, I would actually give myself a twenty out of twenty on this one. No, no, no a one. A one. A one out of twenty. Right. <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> That's right, a 1 out of 20. Um, and then, yeah, Abby's is close, but I do think, because, like, you know, there, there are things that Abby's cannot play, and I know that he can play it, and he knows that he can play it. For example, like, Mercenaries. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, just a small aside. <laughs> it it took everything in my power not to try and directly flame him when we were watching you know, him do his oh, murder cash out. Because just the moment yeah, he slammed and... Shojin, I said, "What are you doing?" That that's know. one of the things, right? Like for me, it, for me, like when I think of because whenever I describe Mercs, I'm like, "Oh yeah, bro, this is like the most brain dead thing that you can do." I said. Turn brain off, do whatever, and like now that like the more like th this is one of the you, the more you think about it, and the more you like hear about other player perspectives, that's when you realize okay, maybe not everybody thinks about it the same way that you do. So like, you know, for like I, I think that Abby's like range of play is still very wide. So, I mean, I would either give him like a two or a three, maybe like two point five, you know. Uh, in terms of like comps played, right? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very very wide, right? Okay. okay. And how about goose? Um, goose.
Goose is interesting because I think that there there's still times when I see Goose's boards and I actually would not be able to see how I myself would end up there. Um, but there there are some things that he's not able to play uh, and some styles that he's not able to play. So, but he's still like a very flexible player like in terms of like the units that he plays around like what what goes on the board in the end game you know sometimes he'll end up with you know some weird like really weird weird boards right um i've probably given before though yeah okay so some pretty flexible players we got here yeah yeah i mean i I specifically chose this set of players because like i was gonna say it's a very interesting dynamic that all three guests on the show so far have chosen players, clearly chosen players that they respect for certain things specifically, um, right? And they tend to be more stylistically aligned. Like last week when Milk was doing it, or not last week, last episode when Milk was doing it, it was like the least flexible set of play, like no, no <laughs> yeah. flex players, right? Like all yeah, I mean, like the I... greed, the greed stats are like all omega <laughs> off of like the econ <laughs> management, like off the charts. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like, all right. So now we're into the. Okay, now we're into the like one through ten. Ten being the best. So if you think so, th- this is a comparison of them to a one k LP player ram cap. So one k is like fortieth on the ladder. So the idea is that we want to okay. capture someone who's like clearly not like the best player of the game, but is Wait, very good so at the game. Is one k like a one? No, 1K no, no, is a 5. It's a 5. 1K so is a 5. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so do yeah, they okay, b- yeah. perform below average to an average player? Yeah. Okay. So like okay, a 1K okay, a 1K okay, player okay. like is solid at the early game, mm-hmm. right? They're not a, they're not a god, but they're not they're like you know capable of playing the early game pretty well and challenging. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. Yeah, in early game, I so this this is the one where I rated myself the lowest. Oh, I, I rated myself pretty low on some of these. Uh, so early game, I would probably put down as like a seven, maybe. Okay. Uh, and that's more like a lot of this is sort of like my own decision because sometimes I'll choose to sack the early game. Uh, oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to be clear, this is not just about HP preservation, right? This is a holistic approach to the early game. So. I personally, I don't think someone can get a 10 if they're only capable of win streaking. Even if they're a, a sick best board player and they're like preserve the most HP they possibly can, they're missing opportunities to play uh, in loss I streak. I see, initially. I see. Yeah. So, yeah, so I if mean, you're like tactically playing loss streak, that doesn't ding you. That might force me to reevaluate. Uh, let's just keep myself at seven, I guess. Because, okay. you know, I, there, there's some. This, this is mostly when I play on ladder, though, is like sometimes I just slam random items. And then I'll end up being like, oh, this was a really bad idea. <laughs> Been there, man. That was actually me today. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really happen too much in tournament because I can sort of like convince myself not to do it. But, yeah. you know, on average, it's not it's not a good look. <laughs> um, yeah, and then Abby's I would probably rate like... Um, what is this number... Probably like a nine. I think I think Abby's is a really strong early game, and he also has like yeah, uh, sort of this idea of where he wants to go with it, right? Uh, and then Goose, I I had him down as ten out of ten, 
Um, okay. And honestly, I, like I still I still think I have him down. Like after, even after changing the, the criteria around, I feel like I still have him down as a ten out of ten. Most like the items you slant, like you can still have some wiggle room in the early game where you come into it and you go into the late game. But like, I think that a lot of the times his early game is like so good in certain games where it's just like it's it's like it's kind of it's it's kind of gross um but you know that obviously comes at the cost uh a lot like like with late game scaling for sure um but yeah yeah okay got it uh all right mid game mid game and it's nice that we actually have a mid game now right the previous podcast uh, before, yeah, like, what yeah. is this? like we play the mid game now oh, mid game i assume is like round three ish to like mid round four right yeah exactly yeah, exactly yes so mid game you know i would sort of have myself i actually rated myself low for all of these game parts just because I feel like I'm liable to make, like, really dumb decisions at, like, every point in the game. So I put down, like, seven again. Yeah, seven. Seven. Seven's pretty good. It's a solid score. It means that you're, you're, yeah. you're I mean, good. I mean, I, I, I would say I put... I think that in the, most of these categories, all three of these players are probably better than 1K LP players by, like, a significant margin. Yep. Um... I hope so. So they're gonna yeah. be over five for most of them. But yeah, Abby's mid game I think Abby's mid game is pretty cracked because he knows how to like bring back from like the low roll spot, right? Um he I would honestly give him like a ten probably here. Um, oh, because wow. like he know he knows when to sort of <clears throat> really like turn it around. Um, mm-hmm. The way that I see it is like things like doing, like if you're low rolling really hard, right? One of, one of the things, one of the important skills is like seeing the outs that you can hit on three two. Uh, and I would put myself higher on this number if I weren't so non confident in my ability to not troll. But um, yeah, this is like you know if you're disciplined, you do like a mid game roll down, you can restabilize your board and it's sort of like uh, you know. Bring it back, right? I think that's a very important skill to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for Goose, you know, that's really, I think, where it comes back to bite him. I say is when when it comes down and around here, because he actually doesn't roll too much on on three two. I think um, he sort of uses like the strength that he has in the early game to move on to to move on to later points of the game, right? So maybe i would put him at a seven same as myself it's sort of like but that's more so not less because he's trolling but more so about the play style sure sure um yeah i think that looks about right okay (laughs) that's cool okay late game late game i give myself a seven again i just think i'm just bad at all points in the game it's it's not it's not it's not pretty um, <laughs> this guy thinks he's the best tft player in north america to seven <laughs> early middle and late it's, it's actually where's the edge it's, it's 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 too it's too difficult to notch like i i would say like if if we were to do this like on a 
if I were really feeling it, you know, I might give myself tens in all of these categories. But, you know, you you have to really be feeling it, you know. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh late game, late game, Abby's I don't know about maybe like an eight. Because I think there are there are players that are really, really, really good at capping out late game boards. And I don't think Abby's is like there. Who tops your list out of curiosity? Um, honestly, probably. I mean, Soju is like the poster child, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm so, trying to think. Assuming he well. lives Kiyun, to that point, yes. Yeah, Kiyun is also really good at this. I think mm -hmm. uh, Milk as well. Like you know, the the, the three the three that were on last time, yeah, they're all really they're all really really good at. Uh, that's all they talk about. That's all they talk about. That's all they they just sit in a Discord call. They just sit in the Discord call and they just keep constantly trying to talk about how they can cap higher. That's all they Yeah, for sure. Milk, like when he was Milk was playing a super high roll hex tech game and he's like staring at his board over and over again earlier today, and he's just like, How do I make this board better? Hex tech sucks. You can't like make the board top one. Like and so just like, I don't understand. Like, you just get your top four and get out. He's like, yeah, fuck that. Like, this <laughs> yeah. sucks. like yeah, I should be able to uncap this thing and, like, you know, play a whole bunch yeah. of other, like, better units. He's just like, he can't understand why this composition, yeah. like, is not capable yeah. of top one. He got second, and he's like, this comp sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah. And I think that's the reason why I would put myself low in all of these categories. Because I think... um you, you know the you know the, the when you're playing in like low like i'm not saying like low elo as in like the, i'm saying like low 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 elo like silverish okay you know how those players are sort of inclined to just re-roll random stuff and like yes. go for the big synergies and do that's i think like for myself as a player that sometimes it sometimes a problem because i'm like the i'm like the upgraded version of that right like i can still play the game but i still like to like go for the meme synergies right you see the much allowing control. Control. Really you see you see the allowing three you see the allowing three. yeah you like <laughs> you see the like and it's all, it's fun something like you know i i still want to play like dark star silco <laughs> it's never gonna okay. happen i've done it already it's, it's bad i did it it's today so it's bad. bad it's so bad i, I think i it's legit did top four because of that i I, yeah. I was so upset but like if i had the opportunity to do that i would still probably do it and it's like you know sometimes it's, it's not great yeah it's not great goose i would actually rate pretty high in this category i would say you know i would actually give him uh it's hard to say because sometimes his items are actually just full scuff but like I actually think like in terms of his unit prioritization and like what he looks for, he's actually better than both me and Abby's in this category. So I would actually give him a nine, um, because if it if it weren't for the scuffed items, like the units on the board and like the the quality of the board is definitely like yeah really really good when you look at it at the end yep. right um, he makes he makes the best with the situation that he has every time right that's right? how he's, he's able to get first on ladders because yeah he yeah. sees the, yeah. he's he, he sees he sees the combinations of units that work well together and he thinks of them as like little pockets and he's able to like mix and match them and understand mm. a board intuitively that like has enough front line and enough back line mm -hmm. it's impressive yeah uh okay let's see all right so these yeah. next you can kind of like rattle through them because they're just kind of meta dependent but also... yeah this is meta dependent i actually say like for 
AD proficiency, I would, I mean, AD and AP, I would give myself nines. Okay. Uh, just because I personally think that I have a decent grasp of all the units and all of the comps, and I'm willing to play them. So, I, I might be wrong here. I, because I can't tell myself which one of these I prefer. Uh, yeah, I really can't. Um, but I, I would like to say that I'm decent at both of them. So, uh, I agree. Yeah. And then Appies, I think I could be wrong. I, I might be wrong. I might not have watched enough Appies recently to have a fully educated opinion on this. Let me what, 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 what did I write down here? I can't figure out where these numbers are coming from. Okay, 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 okay. One, two, three. Yeah, Abby's, Abby's AD proficiency. I, I, I feel like I just see Abby's play more AP than AD. Is I why so. I might. He does. Yeah. But that's not to say that he can't play AD. Uh, maybe like an eight for that for AD and ten for AP. Because he he can't play AD, right? It's like, you know. And, and obviously, this is all dependent on like, what 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 he's like. I think for set six specifically, right? Right, right. Um, and then okay. Goose. I don't even know if Goose thinks about AD or AP like that. I have, like, now that I think about it, because, like, you know, sometimes Goose just slams the AD, AP items At the same as they time. are. Yeah. Yeah. So, question mark? Question mark? <laughs> you can get him with question mark. That's fine. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. This, this one's actually kind of hard. Um. Yeah. And then, reroll proficiency... I would give myself actually a 10 in this category. I would hope so. If there's one category I'm yeah. confident in giving you a 10, it's this one. I agree. I think that... I'm... I don't know if I would put my... Uh, yeah, I would... You know, there there was a time in set 4 where I was le legitimately incapable of bot 4-ing if you gave me a 1-cost reroll. Um, so, like, back when Nami and Wukong and... Uh, What's it all? What's it Zaya. called? Zaya. Zaya. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, oh, Zaya was set three? three, but like, yeah, yeah. Oh. You know, I sort of, I have like a, I, I, re I really get get pumped when I get to play a one cost reroll, like, but like all of the other rerolls, I'm perfectly capable of playing, like you know, Nocturne back in set five. Uh, I actually think I didn't actually play it that much in tournaments, but I actually think that I was probably like. One of the best people on the server at playing that comp, um, you know, Shaco, and set six, uh, a whole bunch of other rerolls, and the, the the thing is, like, I'm perfectly okay with playing those, and you know, okay, if anybody like the first guy that I released on Reddit was like some random like one cost or not, not the first, but the second guy was like. How to play one cost reroll? So I, I I definitely just like think about it a lot, like a lot, a lot, probably more than most players do. 
And this man still hates New Bell for selling an Udyr 3, so. Yeah, he actually sold Udyr 3. It's crazy. Imagine, but... imagine, imagine. Oh, and Udyr 3. And Warwick. Oh, my goodness. I'm just thinking about those units right now. All right. Oh. Let's, let's set it. Let's set it back here. We're, we're, we're not here to talk about every reroll that Ram yeah, 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 yeah. falls Okay, Appy's okay. reroll capability. Triple Archangels Warwick from set five. Yes. Appy's reroll capability. I think Appy's reroll capability is pretty high. Uh, maybe. Nine. I think there are some reroll comp. Like, he, he will play a lot of, like, very interesting reroll comps right like the buy reroll brand reroll um quinn another one right quinn uh a, lo a lot of interesting reroll comps along with your standard ones there are some that i think he's not as proficient in like you know for example one of the very uh kevin gonna love the. i'm sorry i'm reading chat kevin gonna love the new true justice caitlin reroll comp i actually played that comp before the buff I played that comp the first patch. It's really good, by the way. It's not um, bad. Trigos is actually pretty good. 50%, it's, it's, it's pretty 50%, good. I got a first. So, you know, it, it's it's the truth, as as some 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 of the kids would say. But yeah, back, back on topic. <laughs> yeah, 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 I think, like, there are some comps that Abby's has not that comfortable playing. Specifically, I, you know, from this set, it, it would be, like, Twitch reroll. Uh... Uh, so you know there are some that he might not be comfortable with, um, not but like the ones that he does play, he does really well, right? I think Goose mm -hmm. gets a negative ten. Goose, if they could give negative points, we would, right? Goose, Goose is interesting. I think that, yeah, basically Goose would be like a one here. Um, the right. way the way that I would say it is, Goose is capable of playing three star units. <laughs> but he is not one to re-roll them, right? Like, I've seen Goose play three-star Twitch before with, like, RFC, Hurricane, Last Whisper. But it's not, like, it's not a, a unit that he rolled at all. You know, yeah. it's more he, like, he, he oh, I got nine Twitches. <laughs> yeah, he puts a two-star copy on his board and he carries it. And then he winds up getting randomly another two-star copy. It's like, well, I'll play two of them on my board and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And then he gets naturals a couple more of them. He's like, all right, well, I'm not selling this. I'm just going to play around it, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that that's more of, because, like, he's not really, like, when you think about your re-rolling, right, it's, like, legitimately, I have, like, three copies of this unit. I'm not that close, but I'm just going to commit to doing that. He is not somebody who does that. Um, you know, even... I don't know if anybody remembers this, but Goose actually played a decent amount of Zed in set 4. Zed uh, I remember this, but Here's yeah. the thing. Zed is not... Zed back then was not a reroll comp. Because... The Spirit Zed builds? No, no, no. The The... the the ninja zed built uh so it was the four ninjas plus oh. the cultist right um but that was actually not a reroll comp because it was one that stabilized off of zed 2 right right uh, right, 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 right. So if anybody remembers with that comp you didn't even need three star zed and sometimes you don't even go for like the chosen zed you might go for like chosen shin or something along those lines but like 
yeah, that wasn't really a reroll comp. So he might like play, but like play with quote unquote reroll. But he he's definitely not like a reroller. I would say. Okay. Yep. Okay. I think that makes sense. All right, we're only halfway through. We, 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 we time, gotta speed so. this up a little bit, Ramkin. Okay. So. Okay. Let's go. It's good. It's good. Okay. We're getting it's in. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Okay. Win streak right. proficiency. Win streak proficiency. I would say. I actually would put myself as a 10 on this for win streak proficiency, but oh. that's just because I think when I really try to win streak, I'm probably the most committed player on ladder to doing something like that. I think that a lot of players don't really do what is necessary to keep their streak, uh, whereas I'll do things like very aggressively leveling, very aggressively rolling to make sure that I keep streak, um, and I think that most players are not that proactive about it. Okay. What yeah. About Appies? 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 I ever being quick. Appies probably. Uh, I think both Appies and Goose are pretty solid. I might give Appies like a nine and Goose a ten, but yeah. this is not really considering tournament play. Uh, but. Just, just like when I watch them, like Goose is very good at like keeping streak. It's it's yeah, his best really, attribute really for sure. It. It's, yeah, it's, for, yeah, for sure. Lost streak proficiency. Uh, I think we're all pretty bad at this. I might be the best. I give myself like an eight. And pretty Abby's bad is, gives himself an eight. Abby's is, I mean, like relatively speaking, right? Um, right, yeah, right, yeah. right, 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 right. I think I, Kevin's I, I think actually I'm... like fulfilled the assignment. Milk was giving himself like ones <laughs> on shit. It's like I think heavy. I think I'm actually pretty decent at lose streaking, but not like anywhere near the levels of like I would say milk is like I put milk on the pedestal for for lose streaking. For lose streaking. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I put Spencer. I mean, I think milk. Oh, is Spencer. Too. Yeah. I I think milk. Yeah, I don't know. But both are both I, are particularly. Yeah. I I give milk a lot of credit as a player. I would say. Okay. Um, but Abby's. yeah, Abby's, Abby's, maybe like, maybe a seven. Okay. Abby's can play loose streaks. Um, I don't think he's as strong at it. You know, based off of what I watched, Goose is not great at loose streaking. I'd probably put him like a <laughs> maybe like a three. Or yeah, he definitely is lower than a five. <laughs> Whatever he's loose streaking is like it is doomed. It is doomed. Uh, it's like what is it what's happening? Is not, oh, because oh, oh. he'll still slam the items when he's losing, you know, and that's that's the awkward, that's the scary part because like every time he goes win to... loss win loss win loss because he gets a low roll opening and he just like fights the low roll the whole time. It's like it's not it's not in his nature. Yeah. Econ management. Uh, I'm pretty bad at econ management. I would put myself at like a two. Uh, Abby's is pretty pretty decent i wouldn't say he's like amazing at econ management from what i've seen maybe i'd put him at like a six goose is actually really good at econ management so i'd probably put him at like a nine or a ten nine or a ten nine point five yeah okay and game awareness slash scouting game awareness at zero Wait, zero really? uh, <laughs> actually that's not true can't be true when when i when i'm uh when i'm you know when i do the uh not reading chat thing i would put myself at like a 10 
Okay. What? Uh, That's so but... different. <laughs> Can we split but... the difference here? What is it? Zero <laughs> yeah. or ten? Give, give it. Give it. Give it a. Give it a. Give it a five. <laughs> All right. The math checks yeah, out. Like you know, if if you like, the thing is when I'm really paying attention, um, it's not like the things that I care about when I scout, and when I position, and these and those like when I'm really paying attention, it's like, it's full on whether or not there's a unit difference, on the board that I'm fighting, uh, like yeah. if if I can eke out one one more unit of value. Uh, and not just, like, one more unit of value on, like, if I can save health, but if I can deal, like, more damage, if I can do whatever. Um, and that's um, something that like, I was think I was, like, really, really good at in, like, set four, for example. Um, I think there was probably not a better player in the world at doing that than I was at that point, and I think, like, yeah. So there's that. Abby's, uh, it's really awkward for me to say because I have I don't really watch his stream too much when he's in tourney because like, you know, a lot of times he'll be interacting with chat. It's all, it's so difficult to figure out when people are streaming whether or not. Uh, I get I give it a five because you know Abby's does not really scout on stream. <laughs> he doesn't. He's reading chat too much. Yeah. Goose is Goose is really good at scouting. I would say I would give him like a probably a nine. Uh, I can I can always tell because I'll, I'll be in game and I'll be like not paying attention and then he'll like fuck me over with his positioning. I'll be like, oh, he knew. He yeah. he, he <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, positioning. Uh, positioning. I give myself a seven as at least for right now because uh, I think right now I autopilot some things that I could be doing better. Uh, if it were a different set, I would probably give myself a higher rating. Abby's is pretty good at positioning. I would give him like a eight or a nine. And I actually think positioning is one thing that I think Goose has over both of us. I would actually give Goose a ten on this. Wow. Uh, oh, interesting. This, Most people this don't is, do he's that. the best positioner on the ladder. I think he's up there. I think he's uh, up there. I don't for think sure. that at all. Wow. I don't. Think that, like, I watch this a lot of games. Thing. Yeah, I mean, it may, maybe it doesn't... Because, like, I've heard him talk about some of the stuff that he does. And it's some of the stuff... Some of the stuff, like, I don't even think... Uh, didn't ha didn't register for me, at least. Uh, but I could be wrong. Maybe I'm just really bad at positioning. You move me down to, like, a five. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> roll downs and transitions. Um, Roll downs and transitions... It's hard to say. Uh, I think when I'm on point, roll downs are here. Here's the issue with roll downs as transitions is that like I think I'm somebody that's very susceptible to getting dizzy. It's because uh, you're. It's because you don't roll down for one thing. Like yeah, part of the reason I why roll... Spencer's able to roll a hundred gold in one turn is because he's yeah. rolling for one thing. I was like, when I when I do roll for one thing, I think that I'm well up there, maybe like an eight. But when I'm like trying to think about multiple things at once. This is just, this is sort of the thing, like, one of the things in tournament I have to tell myself is to, like, actually focus up and not, like, try to think about too many things, because when that happens, it's actually detrimental, because there are too many things to think about. Uh, I'll give myself maybe, like, a seven. Because okay. it's brought down by the fact that... You're too open. Yeah. I, get, yeah. I know uh, that. Yeah. Appies... 
Abby's transitions mm. are good. I think probably eight. Goose. Five? No, about transition. Goose is weird because I feel like the board transition. It's it's sort of like the like a slow transition, probably. It's the rambling approach. He's the not really doing. Yeah. He's not really doing massive open cells for like four or five yeah. units. He's usually just like yeah. upgrading one or two units and putting them in. Yeah, he does have that yeah. in him though. Yeah. Every once in a while. He'll, yeah, on Google. a neutral round, he'll have like an evil genius moment where he like sees mm -hmm. a line. Yeah, I, I think like, Goose is um, quite good sweeping it is. pivot across to something. Mm -hmm. I give him nine, maybe. I, I think he's actually pretty good at this. Um, control. I gave myself a zero. Do you miss every Zephyr and Shroud? No, but sometimes I'm too lazy. <laughs> I'm noticing a lot of your weaknesses have to do with uh, whether you're locked in or not. Yeah, yeah, I'd give myself a four on this. <laughs> Mostly because I'm actually probably the most susceptible to getting myself Zephyr. Because I won't <laughs> even know that they have a Zephyr on their board until like I get Zephyr. I'm like, oh shit. Oh no, I'm I do dead. Notice this. I do notice this when we're in games together, for sure. <laughs> like, oh no, what happened? How did I lose? Um, I think... Abby, Abby's also pretty low on this because, like, if you know Abby, she'll tell you about the no, the no switch, the, the no, what is it, the no mix up, mix up, where you, you oh, don't mix up. Oh yeah, he 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 doesn't. But move he at does all. the no mix up, mix up as his primary mix up, which is, you know, when your no mix up, mix up is your first mix up, it's like the. <laughs> it's, it's kind of muggy. I I tie Appies with myself. Oh my god. Goose is actually a lot better about this. I'd probably yeah. give him at least a seven. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> Maybe yeah. Uh, Appy yeah. scores lower on my rubric because uh, he's too free on carousel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking got him. <laughs> um, let's see creativity. I. You know, I give myself a 10 out of 10 for this one. I think that there's nobody on ladder that's more creative than I am. And this is partially because of the fact that, you know, I'm like one of those, uh, you know, you know that Yu-Gi-Oh scene where Yu-Gi's is my grandpa's deck has no pathetic cards. Yes. That that's me in TFT, you know, <laughs> like, Hey, I hate, I actually, I legitimately like am affected when people tell me a unit sucks. I am legitimately <laughs> like, you're telling oh. me this unit, and like, I, I will actively go out of my way to prove them wrong, because my grandpa's deck has no pathetic cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a <laughs> you're, you're TFT simp. That's what it is. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I actually, I was actually talking about this earlier. I played a game this week where I played a, uh, Broken Stopwatch, uh, Clockwork Spat, Tom Kench Carry. Uh, what? Sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. So TK kinda, would kinda walk not, around eating not, people during the, yeah, the, the, during the, the Broken Stopwatch. You know? But who is uh, saying TK's a bad unit? No one says TK sucks. Oh, yeah, no, but I've no gone, one thinks about Clockwork with TK, TK with Broken Stopwatch. <laughs> yeah, that's I've, true. I've gone TK. Oh, Trindamir? Okay, don't talk about Trindamir, though. Trindamir is trash. We all know it. That one, I feel like we've all played enough times and seen him do enough things where it's like, okay, you know what? I'll I'll give you that one. Trindamir, I don't know why they nerfed that unit. It wasn't yeah. good when they nerfed it. 
it's so sad because it's like you know you know how sometimes people talk about how Vagar feeds mana to the enemy team yeah that's actually what Trindamir does except Vagar is actually super good and uh Trindamir is just Trindamir is, is like the best double trouble unit though. Yeah, I think it's because his <laughs> his data with double trouble and Triforce was outrageously good and there Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, yeah. They nerfed him but... twice and that yeah. <laughs> That was unnecessary. That that's one of those things where it's like it's not really the unit, it's definitely the augment. Yeah, it was, it was Triforce and double trouble for Yeah, sure. cuz my boy Trindamir does like 5k damage a fight at 3 star and it's real sad and it's so depressing and he's not but yeah you know moving on from Abby's Abby's is also very creative 10 out of 10 super creative guy uh GV8 uh, 9 out of 10 this is he... why you picked this list this is why this Yeah list. it is actually because of this guy like yeah. the most cre honestly maybe even GV8 can get it I I would give him the 9 out of 10 just cuz it's there the, the re-roll thing you can't you know, have three I, tens I, it defeats yeah the i i can't i can't think of goose maybe maybe even give goose an eight out of ten just because i can't see goose playing re-roll ap allowing yes and casper would do that you know casper would do that oh Abby's casper would probably for sure. do it i would definitely do it i was doing it before casper was doing it on my smurf account all right. But I didn't play Imperial. I actually played like Socialite Alawi, which now that I think about it is probably not as good because Imperial was broken and Socialite wasn't. Okay, form yeah. consistency. This is going to be an interesting one. Oh, I'm just going to give myself zeros on these because I am not in form and my mental is not existent because I am no longer participating in tournaments. All right. <laughs> okay. He wants to straight up zeros. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. I think Abby's Abby's is very for very informed, mental, is super good. We can just give him tens and tens. And then wow. Goose Goose, like, if there's anything that the innovator cup showed is sort of like Yeah. When when he's sort of relying on something he's not like by likely to be able to bounce back, I would say. Uh come back come back with something on the fly. Uh, in that sense, form consistency, I would probably have to give like a six, maybe seven. Mental, I don't know what, I, it's very difficult for me to tell what he's thinking. Because I feel like Goose is, I, I think his mental is pretty good. Maybe like a seven, eight. I never perceived tilt from him, but you're right. Yeah, he's, he's, he's he not a, a good mask. Guy. It's hard. It's hard to tell exactly what's going through. Because because there's definitely some tilt there, right? You can sort of feel it. Right. Every every player like, has like, that. Even the yeah, people with yeah. the best mental. I've seen spicy appies like definitely yeah, feel yeah. discouraged or nervous. Oh yeah, for sure. I would not put. Sure. I would not give appies a ten on mental. No, no. I, I th oh, I think... okay. Yeah. I mean, we could adjust that. I I would just. I I think. I I have a very positive perception of Abby's. I think oh, it's great. I have an insanely <laughs> positive skewing. <laughs> that skewing that might be I mean, skewing what my mental thought of it. Yeah, maybe maybe move it to a nine ish a. Uh, yeah, I, I think eight I, is pretty fair. He's he's, eight, he's very inward focused. He's, he's I think got like, solid mental. Yeah, I honestly think that like if if I were like very very serious. 
like incredibly serious not reading chat and not like doing anything like that i feel like my mental would be like 10. um and that's just because like i actually think that when i like i do not get tilted by low rolls at all like i'll i'll like make a show of it on stream but like i do not get tilted by low rolls at all because uh it's just the probability of it you know i in you know the things that i get tilted by are uh twitch reading chat. dumb commas in twitch chat twitch and chat. that's that's the thing is like if i read twitch chat my mental goes boom, but like, you know, in a tournament, it's very easy to avoid that problem because all you have to do is you got to click, click the X in OBS and suddenly Chad doesn't appear. And it's so easy to keep a good man. Wait, isn't this coming from the guy who like mental boomed a tournament not too long ago because you read a comment? Legit, I opened up chat. But like, if I'm very serious about the tournament, this is the thing. Yeah. If I'm like very, very serious about the tournament, I will make, I will like legitimately just not open up chat. Like, that's the thing is that, you know, th this is what happened like in regionals and worlds is like, well, obviously worlds is super easy because there is no Twitch chat. That's the best part about worlds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but like, you know, um, you know, for example, I actually think the most recent example is on cup. Uh, cause I actually think my mental was very good for that tourney until I mental boomed after the tournament. Cause that wasn't like a mental boom during the tournament if the scores were any indication of it right because i actually had a very very low roll games that that tournament but it, it, like you know when you low roll you know the, the 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 best thing that you can tell yourself is like you just like the tft is about the things that you can control right uh and this is actually something that i tell myself that i think like you know a lot of people a lot of players do not actually do this right is that you should never ever ever when you're evaluating your play think about how the rng affected the game in any way right uh and i think i'm very good at tuning that kind of stuff out uh which which is great but you know when you add on twitch chat it sort of counterbalances that because uh, that's all they focus on <laughs> that's all they focus on and yeah, you read yeah, that yeah. it's it's not even it's not even like the low roll stuff when i just read dumb comments it's just like oh my god man i'm tilted it, it, it just tilts me so much <laughs> yeah i like, mean it's part i'll of, tell you yeah I, I think asa has best mental in a he's my 10 on this and i think it's the poker background no poker yeah. player is results oriented yeah at all. yeah that's just, that's the be. phrase right results yeah it's is what it what it comes down to right um and th yeah that's the thing with poker players um and i actually learned this from like one of my friends right because back back when i was in school you know one of my friends was very big into poker right and we had this whole meme about being results oriented right um and you know if you come from any kind of like stats background if you come from poker you know you you sort of Come to realize that you know probability is just uh it's just the fact of life 
you you live with it you can't control it you move on to the next thing right mm-hmm. um and you know there, there's the opposite of the spectrum right because <laughs> like a lot a lot of tft players are like big on the low roll into tilt into uh into its doomed angle right TFT is also super yeah. results oriented just as a community like there's this deep irony of I think Ace is overvaluated as a player because of his results mm-hmm. but he's probably the least results oriented player in the scene so I think he has actually like a very good handle on his own strengths and weaknesses and I don't think he would put himself like in the top 10 but he's he has he's on this he's on the journey he's on the path to get there he understands what he needs to do but as a community, we're way, way, way too obsessed <laughs> yeah, with, yeah. with results, LP results, individual game results, individual tournament results. It's crazy how much people will extrapolate from that without watching the games and making a decision for themselves. Well, it's the easiest mm-hmm. for them to understand what's happening, right? Because yeah. everything else is just very complex, and it's the easiest way for them to draw conclusions from. Um, because yeah. that's just yeah. the, the data that they're working with. And also, that's part of the fun of it, right? Because we, people like people like having to jump to conclusions and having knee-jerk reactions, etc. So I think that's yeah. part of it. Okay, we have yeah. to tie a bow on this segment because we have to tie a bow on the show. We're already twenty minutes over. Uh, oh my I just I, I have to ask. So the by the numbers, Appies is is far and away the best player. Even if you don't give yourself zeros for form consistency and mental which is obviously hurting your scores if you give yourself like actual scores there appies is still the highest scorer um mm-hmm. you, do you think that's fair evaluation is there something missing in the report card that like is hurting appies that we're not talking about uh i think it actually comes down to this flexibility thing yeah. uh makes sense and this is I, you know, it, it, I don't know if it sounds fair to say this, but like, you know, like, you know the Mercs thing, right? We all know the Mercs thing, but it's actually pretty big. It's a big right? deal. Uh, yeah. It's a big deal. Um, because being able to do something like that, um, that will take a lot of games that could be like a bot four straight to a first, right? Uh, and over a large sample size, it's actually quite significant if you can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus if you can't um, I think that you know for example GV8 is another player that is not capable of playing mercs in the conventional way uh, like blue streak mercs I think he's very very uncomfortable playing that way right uh, oh yeah Goose also has two I forgot about the question marks yeah. that's so true, <laughs> that's he, would, so true. he would be pretty close to Abby's if, he, if we yeah. got rid of the question, the question marks but okay I'm really glad that you brought this point actually because the, the original version of the report card flexibility was part of the base report card and then we got mm. into this argument with both socks and milk about whether or not it's actually an advantage and how right. to think about that I actually like... the way that I think of I actually think of flexibility is probably the most important thing here yeah, it's it's um, variance reduction because like outside of like the conventional idea like so flexibility is sort of how you reduce variance is the way that i like to think about it yep. um because if you're fully open and you're fully willing to play everything then you don't low roll right or you can very easily limit the amount that you low roll by um and so that's the thing, like especially in a tournament format, right? Like in a tournament format where everybody's playing very strong 
if you come in with like a single game plan, if you come in with a single style, it's actually pretty detrimental in a lot of it's it's sort of like, you know, with balancing, you know, obviously some strategies are going to be OP, some strategies are going to win out. Um, but like, you know, and even like a fairly balanced game where there are like, you know, even not that many, let's say five viable strategies, the more flexible you are, the better you're going to come out, in my opinion. Because you don't hit something, you 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 go somewhere else, right? You, you sort of, because it's very difficult not to hit like two different things or like three different things, right? Yeah. Um, or like, and in that sense, I think it's actually pretty huge, especially like uh, when you're playing against better players, I think it actually comes in a little bit more it gains a little bit more importance so that might be where yeah it comes out because i still think i'm the most flexible player in like the entire server by far uh but that would just might be me tooting my own horn no i think it's It's partially why we have you on the show i think yeah totally (laughs) okay we're right. at the end of reportable kevin thank you for doing it in advance it made it so fun to actually go through because you clearly thought about <laughs> all this different stuff it made a really interesting conversation i enjoyed it immensely yes thank you very much bryce let's go ahead and talk about some announcements so the first thing that everyone of course is looking forward to is wait it's not supposed to be it's supposed to be challenger series this weekend okay well this first graphic imagine it said challenger series this weekend <laughs> uh where it we have we regional finals the regional finals slash challenger series challenger series is the last opportunity for people to qualify if you're not already uh, on the snapshot for the top two um and that will be leading up to the regional final that's happening in two weeks which leads us to our second announcement which is we're going to do another episode in two weeks. The day before regionals featuring Cloud9's K3 Soju and another oh, fourth snap. guest. I believe that is what we're going to be doing because Soju is very insistent that he is going to qualify for regionals one. So this weekend you better watch the Challenger series because he says it's guaranteed that he's qualified for regionals. I wear better that <laughs> and that he will tweet before the tournament. And then two... <laughs> Two, uh, that uh, he that he is going to have the best episode of DTI YDK yet, so we'll see if he can live <laughs> up to either of that hype. I feel like every time Soju tweets, it's ho- I, I love every time he tweets before a tournament because it always blows up in his face. Every time. <laughs> every time, it's just... It's so... <laughs> like, before Innovation Cup, I remember who... who Frodo, did you tweet? Were you were you the one that tweeted out? I was like, I think Soji's gonna kill it this tourney, and he's like, as long as he doesn't tweet, I forget who tweeted that out. And then Soji like nature. immediately it was nature's. It was nature's. nature's. It was nature's. nature's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then right afterwards, Soji was like, and a for you, and a sucks one two three or something. Yeah, and then, uh, and then he bombed he out on day one. Well, anyways. Uh, I want day one of regionals from last year, Soju. Best version of Soju. Oh, it man, was, that was frickety fire. crack. It was so good. It was really good. Hopefully, we'll see the fruits of his labor. He says he's practicing a lot for this week in Challenger Series. And then we're going to have him on in two weeks with another guest. 
Uh, maybe we'll have them grade each other live on the podcast. That'd be pretty fun to see the other person's opinion of them. Uh, we'll tell you more about it once we lock in those details. But yes, in two weeks, we'll do another power ranking specifically for regionals. And uh, we'll have that special episode. With that, we are at the end. Thank you so much, Ramcap, who has uh, graciously given a lot of his time. And of course, Bryce, two very busy guys. Let's go ahead and get some just final thoughts real quick, starting off with Ramcap, our guest. I mean, it's been a great time. Uh, fun, fun discussion. Yeah. Don't don't look forward to seeing me in any of the upcoming tourneys because <laughs> I will not be there. Yeah. See you in set seven. Set seven waiting room. <laughs> All right. Bryce. Uh, I had a lot of fun too. It was, it was really, it was, it was nice to really get in deep on the conversation on the, on the different players and their strengths and weaknesses. Um, and I think we could have talked about it for hours longer. Uh, I will look forward to seeing Ramkev again. I refuse to believe that we live in a world where we've seen the last of Ramkev playing competitive TFT. No. Cause I, I, you know, one of the first, one of the first competitors. So I, I fell in love with Goose's play first, but I think that Ram Kev, when I going to set four, when I started watching you, and I was like, oh my god, this guy is like way better. He's like playing on a different level, and no one is paying attention. And then to see you go into regionals and and prove that, and go to worlds and prove that, and it's so clear to me that you're actually at that level if you're locked in right now. Like when your mental is good right now for these tournaments, you are the best player at the tournament or certainly in the top three. So I, I refuse to believe we live in a world where we've seen the last of you playing competitive TFT. I hope it's just, you know, reset into this set and set seven, you come back with a vengeance because despite all of the success that you have had, you are still underrated. People still don't, they don't see it and they don't see it because they're not paying attention. So, uh, you know, I, I am excited to see you come back and uh, prove all of the doubters wrong once more, my friend. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm I'm gonna be paying real close attention to uh, set seven, tourney, the the, the whole circuit, etc. Uh, you know, I feel like for set six, I kind of went into yeah. these tournaments autopilot, and really can't do that anymore. You know, like gonna read through all the rule sets, gonna see what I think. And what my opinions are, and I'm gonna reevaluate and see if it's you know something that I'm really willing to commit to again. Because you know I I don't want to do another Zon Cup. That does not sound too fun for me. It's fair. <laughs> All right. Well, Ram Cam's in the set eight waiting room then, because set seven. <laughs> I think we're kind of oh, locked snap. in. I think oh, we're kind of locked okay. in. Well, we'll, we'll let you know. One, one more on. year. One more year, baby. <laughs> All right. Uh, my final <laughs> shout out. Uh, watch the Challenger Series this weekend. Uh, in particular, because it's going to be really fun. High stakes TFT. Also because the talent um, is a really important representation of what TFT can be. We have an all queer desk with Jirachi, Bupasaurus, and Casanova. And I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about how there's a lot of prominent issues that's facing trans people, especially in America. What's going on in Texas is not okay. And I can't really understand what's going on, but I can do my best to at least raise awareness about everything that is affecting our friends and our family here at TFT. So please do your best to at least, at the very least, read up on the situation if you haven't already and send a nice message to some of these people who desperately need any kind of love, attention, help, care, whatever you can do. Plus that, one. And that's the end yeah, of this episode sure. of DTI YDK. Thanks so much, everyone's tuned in. We'll try to post the VODs whenever we can. 
We have a podcast on Anchor.fm, and we'll tweet about it. The best thing you can do is follow us on Twitter and follow the show. From Frodan, Bryce, and Ramcat, this has been DTI YDK Episode 3, and we'll see you next time. If I can find the transition screen, where is it? <laughs>